Hello everyone, welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. I am your host Derek, and you are joining us for episode 103 today. So in episode 103, we're actually going to talk about a game for the first time. This is going to be a preview podcast, which we don't do a lot on the podcast, but um, we have done a couple times before. We have done a preview podcast technically for CFDs before it came out, because uh, we talked about that a little bit before it came out. And we also did a preview podcast for Generation Zero as well. And then technically we talked about the Fallout 76 beta, so that could be considered a preview as well. So we have done a couple of preview podcasts in the past, but we just don't do that often. But um, usually when we do a preview podcast, it's typically for a game that we plan to talk about a lot more in the podcast in the future. The only exception to that was Fallout 76, but um, CFTs we talked about a lot more after it launched. Generation Zero we talked about at least somewhat after it launched. And the game we're talking about today is uh, Civilization VI. So we're going to talk about Civilization VI, which comes out later this month. And uh, preview that a little bit for anyone that is interested in buying it. But before we get into that and what Civilization VI exactly is, we have a couple of news items at the top of the show here. First of all, our next podcast is going to be next uh, Saturday or Sunday, and it's going to be up in the air a little bit right now, honestly. Um, I'm still trying to get that Dead by Daylight podcast in here that um, I've been working on for a little while, so that will be coming at some point, just um, scheduling has been a little bit of an issue lately. Uh, we could possibly have a return to State of Decay, uh, another State of Decay episode, so uh, I have some things in the works there. The other option is a potential uh, Borderlands 3 episode on the uh, Bloody Harvest event that's going on right now. So those are kind of some of the options I'm weighing right now for next week's episode, but we will have an episode next week and um, get into things there. As far as the stream, we're actually going to be streaming a little bit less next week. It's going to be Borderlands 3 week, so we're going to do some Borderlands 3, but I'm actually not going to be streaming on Sunday because I will be out of town. So there's going to be no stream on Sunday. You might actually hear this podcast on a Sunday because since I'm going to be out of town, it's going to be hard for me to edit it, but I will get edited though. But um, there's going to be no stream on Sunday. So the next time I'm streaming is Monday, November 4th at 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll do some Borderlands 3. We're going to do that Bloody Harvest event. And then Tuesday, November 5th at 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, we're also doing Borderlands 3. If we didn't finish the Bloody Harvest event, we'll do another stream um, based on that. If we did finish it, then we'll just play some, you know, regular Borderlands 3 and just um, do some side missions or goof around kind of thing. And that would probably be it for the week. Um, I had thought about coming and doing a third stream, like, later in the week, maybe like a Thursday or Friday. But honestly, um, with everything going on right now, it's probably going to be better for me just to have the extra day off on top of that, so I probably will just do a two-day uh, stream that week, and then to just kind of give you guys a heads up ahead of time, the following after that, the week of the 10th to the 16th, I'm actually on vacation. Um, I'm probably not going to do any extra content, just so I can kind of um, use that vacation as a breather, but I will. I do plan to uh, at least keep up the normal content, so basically the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we will have streams. It's probably going to be a Dead by Daylight week that week. And then we will have a podcast that weekend is what I'm uh, hopefully planning on. So 
Uh, that kind of gives you guys a preview there, but um, yes, that's where we're at. And the rest of the November schedule will be able to be found in the Discord uh, shortly. So definitely look out for that. But that being said, we do have a guest here to talk about some Civilization Six with us. It's a guest that you've heard a lot lately. They're um, quickly approaching that Mani record. Please welcome back Zombie Killerbot. How are you, Zombie? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Um, you know, I know you're a big Civilization fan, so I figured you would be the guy to bring on for this because we both talked um, frequently about how much we've loved uh, Civilization in the past. Yeah, yeah. I definitely love playing it in my spare time whenever I have nothing on, really. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, since Zombie and I are Xbox players, for us, the only Civilization that ever existed was Civilization Revolution. And this is a game that released back in the Xbox 360. And basically, this game uh, was taken from PC and ported to Xbox, but it's the only time they ever did that. So they had never, ever ported a Civilization in the history of the game. It was always on PC until that game. And then since that game, they never did it again until Civilization VI is finally coming to Xbox and uh, PS4 on November 22nd which this is um, three years after it came to PC. So it's a while later, but um, it, it did finally come, and, you know, Zombie and I are kind of excited for it. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's a game... I've debated whether I should or shouldn't get it, but honestly, um, I think it's going to be hard for me to turn down getting it, to be honest, because I love Civilization Revolution so much, and... I've kind of been dying for, like, an update of Civilization Revolution, and this is my chance, pretty much, so I think, you know, why not take the shot, I guess? Yeah, um, and that's fair enough, like, obviously, uh, PC's had, like, a bunch of Civilization games, and we've been stuck with one that was all the way back on the 360, so this is exactly. going to be, like, a massive upgrade, and I personally can't wait for it. Yeah, exactly, because, I mean, PC, you know, they've had Civilization Five, Civilization Four, like, I think they had Civrev Two. Like, so they've had all these versions of, you know, Civilization games, plus the ones that came before Civilization Revolution 2. So, you know, on Xbox, we just had one. We, we had one game, and it's like, you know, okay, well, I think the game came out in, like, 2013 or something like that. So, it's been, like, six years since it came out, and that's all we've had to go off. It's like, you know, while Civilization Revolution is still an awesome game, and while I still sometimes play it to this day, um, it is a little bit dated now. Yeah, it it definitely is, considering, like, when you look at gameplay of, of Civilization Six, there's so much more stuff with that now than there is, obviously, in Civrev. Exactly, which is something we're going to get into um, more in detail during this podcast. But um, for Civilization Six, for starters, I mean, the Civilization has always been a really cool thing about the Civilization franchise, and I love how in Civ Revolution, where... There's all these, you know, famous leaders that you could uh, play as and have, like, different uh, bonuses to their civilizations. You, know, you had, like, uh, Gandhi from the Indian civilization. You had Napoleon for the French. You had Lincoln for the Americans. You had all these different people. Uh, Mao Zedong for China. Uh, Alexander for the Greeks. So, like, you had all these different famous people. It's like, wow, all these cool people. And we could um, play as them and, you know, kind of build their civilization up. Yeah, yeah, I I love all the bonuses. Um, I I personally had my favorite people I played as whenever I played uh, Civilization Revolution. Um, and I think I'll have some 
uh, for Civilization Six, based on what I've looked at for gameplay so far? Well, I have not picked out, um, you know, what civilizations I would like or dislike for Civ Six yet, but I do know that for me, um, if I got the expansion pack, then I do have to lean towards my boy Alexander a little bit because you know I, I love me some Alexander the Great, so mm-hmm. I've always uh, been a big fan of him in history. Yeah, you just love that courthouse at the start of the game, don't you? <laughs> I mean, that's nice too, but like it's I was just talking about in history, like as a leader, like I always found Alexander the Great so fascinating as a leader. Like you know the fact that he conquered like so much land in such a short time, then he died so suddenly. Like he has such an interesting story. Yeah, conquered a bunch of land and then died. Very interesting story that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's speculation that um, he could have been potentially poisoned by his own men, so that no one really knows to this day. But yeah, damn. But you know, he did a lot of stuff before he died. So, and yeah, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing here is like um, a lot of these civilizations they have like leaders that you may have heard of, may not have heard of, but you know, at one time they were like a, a powerful person in history, and that's kind of cool. Uh, not to say, you know, all of these people are, like, the best people in the world, but, like, like some of them probably did some pretty horrible things, but, like, I mean, it's interesting to experience their history. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, it definitely is. Yeah, like, some of them, like, even I didn't know about, and it was very intriguing playing as them, or basically, as they had it, they had, um, I remember from um, Civ Rev entirely that he had this whole, like, a wiki page within the game where you can actually learn about the history of every leader. Right. And I enjoyed just looking through that. Yeah, because all of these leaders are really cool. And like Civ Rev, I will say that I knew pretty much every leader in that. Um, most of the leaders I knew from history in that, I don't think there's many that I didn't. Um, trying to think off the top of my head, but I don't think I knew like a lot about Catherine the Great uh, when I first, you know, picked up the game. Uh, she was one that I was kind of a little hazy on. Um, and I'm trying to think back. I think she's the main one I didn't really know a ton about. Like, because I knew, you know, about Shaka already. I knew about, you know, obvious ones like Lincoln. Um, things like that. But I didn't really know a ton about Catherine, so it was kind of interesting to see her in there. And um, yeah. I think that the game has kind of, like, you know, gone away from people that are more household names. Because in Civ Six, I think most of the leaders that are available there, I probably wouldn't know with like many of them all. You, you probably there's a few that that I already know going into it, like Victoria, for example, Queen Victoria is one of them. Uh, I also know that uh, the leader of the Americans is uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Um, right, and so those names I obviously know who they are, but like yeah. for example, Queen Victoria, like I don't really know much about her. I know more about uh, Elizabeth than I know about her. Uh, well, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, Elizabeth is more popular than Victoria. Yeah, so like Elizabeth, I kind of know who she is more. Victoria, like I- I've heard the name, but other than hearing the name, I don't really know much about her. Yeah, Victoria was um, basic. She basically was around during our industrial era. She was before Elizabeth came into power. Uh, this was Elizabeth II, who's our current queen still. Makes sense. Yeah. See, I mean, obviously you know more about that because, you know, you are the UK, so it makes sense you yeah. know more about that. Yeah, like, 
going off the point of obviously of well, like knowing people in like Civ Rev, I didn't know a lot. Like I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot of them. The only ones I knew were like the English, the Americans, the Egyptians, um, and the Indians really, because I'd learnt about them well, in I- history, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. Just so I can um, see which ones I might not have known I'm forgetting. But uh, while I'm doing that, do you want to talk about in Civilization VI some of the new civilizations that we have that might not have ever been featured in Civilization IV? Um, yeah, there there are a lot of new ones, including if you were to get the expansion. Uh, like, you can have people from Australia, uh, which is a new one. That came with the DLC. You got like um, you got the leader of like the uh, Mal the Maldi, uh, which is like an island coast civilization. Um, there's another one like that as well. But with this as well, with other like civilizations, there can be an additional people. So for like example, there's two leaders you can pick from both uh, from the Indians, and there's two leaders you could pick for both uh, the English and the fr- uh, the French. And it's the same leader for both of them anyway. Um, I like, kind of like that twist of obviously, no, when you pick England, it's like, well, you've got two choices. Like, you could pick Victoria, who's like the standard one, or you could pick Eleanor and use her because she's both English and France alternatives. Um, but there's a lot Which of new, so, so you can have like, well, you have all these civilizations. So you have, like, Scotland, who are new. Norway, uh, that are new into this game as well. Um, and I'm, there's a lot more. I'm trying to remember, like, half of them, but I can't. Because um, there's that many. Brazil, there's there's another one. That's a really famous one from there. Uh, Brazil is a really good civilization, apparently, within this game. Um, and a few others. And most of them are, like, new from, obviously, Civ Rev. Like, a lot of them we wouldn't know. Um, there's one interesting one. And it's the fact that they got the Vikings in this. Yeah, that's interesting. So you have all these sophisticated uh, civilizations. And then you have the Vikings. And I like the approach of obviously having the Vikings and then island tribes as obviously civilizations, wouldn't it? Like Maldi, for example. So, oh, which I like about And the that. Vikings, is that part of the expansion? I think so, yeah. Because uh, I'm looking at some of the lists I have here and... Some of the ones I don't remember you mentioning, um, has like Congo. Did you mention that one? Oh, uh, oh yeah, Congo's new one, yeah. I, I, again, I'm trying to remember after them. This civilization, I honestly don't even know what this civilization is. I've never even heard of this in my life. There's something called Scythia. Scythia? Led by Tamiris. God, um, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm usually good at knowing what civilizations at least, but like, I've never heard of Scythia. Like, I, I don't. Know I think that, that I I think that's one of the island tribes that they've added to this game because there's a lot of them. Which is about Maybe, six. Yeah. But they have a uh, Sumer led by uh, Gilgamesh too. I think yeah. that's probably new. I had to guess. Yeah. Guess myself that's new. Yeah. And they have Poland. Um, I forgot to mention Nubia. Poland. Yeah, Poland's a really good one. Actually, that's a really power player one. They have Cyrus II of Persia, which they actually have Persia in there because yeah. Persia was a superpower, you know, way back in the early days, and then they kind of just didn't exist. Yeah, you got to keep this in mind, though. Persia and Poland in the same game. Imagine how yeah. massive that gets. Like, 
And I just love how they do that, though. Like, these mass, these massive civilizations you can put in the same game. So, like, as we just said, like, Persia and Poland, two, like, back in, back in, like, obviously, around the time where Persia was in, like, tons and tons of power, Poland had the exact same in their day, when they had tons of power, and putting them together when they both had really good, like, like, armies would be really, really fun to do. And there's just so many possibilities. Like, if you wanted to, you could take, like, an island tribe, for example, like Maldi. Uh, and you could literally make them so they go around beating everyone. Which is a challenge in itself, but the challenge is there for you. Yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting that they have um, all this available to us. Yeah, I just love, like, they don't give you, like, a choice, obviously. Oh, there's all about, like, I don't know, like, 12 leaders, blah, blah, blah. No, there's a there's ton. There's a ton of leaders, yeah. There's a ton. Like, Civ Rev didn't have anywhere near this many. I mean, like... I know. Uh, I don't think you Canada. Yeah, Canada's in there, too. Oh, yeah, Canada, yeah. I forgot about Canada. <laughs> Canada's in there, yeah. It's mad that... And then uh, you so have the Ottoman Empire. Like, so, it's interesting, because you have, like, some of these civilizations are like, oh, hey, you know, that's a civilization that still exists today. Like, you know, there's a country that still exists today. There's some of these civilizations are like, oh, wow, that, that civilization has yeah. existed for, like, millions, think- like, tons of years. I think, um, I don't know if the uh, the Arabians are in this game, or the Arabs, as they're called in Sifrev, uh, but I think the Arabs got placed by the Ottoman Empire for this game, I think. It might have been, yeah, I don't, I don't I'm see pretty the sure. Arabian Empire. Yeah, I think it got placed by the uh, Ottoman Empire, so, for this game. Like, some were replaced, but most of them stayed. Like, I know, Egypt's still in this game, and it retained the exact same leader, which I was like, okay, I'll take it. So, yeah, there's not many civilizations that um, have the same exact leader from Sivrev in this. Yeah, well, I know there's like I know there's two civilizations for the whole of the whole time Sivrev's existed, and all like civilization games have existed. There's only been ever two uh, civilizations that have always kept the same leader, and that being uh, the Indians and the Egyptians. They've always yeah. kept the exact same leader. I am noticing, too, that um, the Aztecs, though, have Montezuma, which they did have in Sivrev, so that is there, too. But. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he got placed back into this, because I'm pretty sure in Civ Five he wasn't there, he was replaced by somebody else, and people got annoyed. Okay. So then, by because he was a fan favorite, they brought him back for the sixth one. And I think that's probably the same with Alexander Mastodon, uh, he was yeah. the DLC, so... Yeah, I think that was the same. I think people got disappointed by that, that he wasn't there. He'd been there for, like, the rest of them, but he wasn't in this one for some reason. Which made no sense. And they have uh, now he Genghis is. Khan back as well, so yeah, I think it's kind of the same thing where they brought him back. Yeah, a few that um, they kind of got rid of in like Civilization Five, they brought back for Six because people got annoyed. Essentially, I'm really surprised that they didn't bring um, Napoleon back as like some kind of DLC. Though. Napoleon, I thought was pretty popular. But... Uh, yeah, I think he kind of lost his touch by the time we got to like uh, Civ, like I think it was like Civ Four. I think he lost his popularity then because they kind of made him really bad at that point. So, but I mean, just listen to some of these leaders, like some of these leaders I actually know and stuff like that, like, it's crazy to see them in here, because I remember learning about the history, like, you have Robert Bruce of Scotland, you have Mansa Musa of Mali, like, I know both of those people, uh, Suleiman of the Ottoman Empire, like, some of these leaders, like, oh, wow, this leader actually in the game, like, this is interesting, like, Cyrus II of Persia, I've heard that name, you know. I think they went off more popular, well-known leaders this time around, rather than ones that people wouldn't know. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah, cause, I mean, and I, 
Oh, Arabia isn't there, actually. Um, I just noticed that. Saladin, he's back. Ah, right, okay. Um, so he didn't yep. get replaced, okay. Oh, so wait, the Ottomans and the Arabians. That's a weird combination. I'm intrigued now. Yeah, so we have, you know, a lot of um, civilizations back there that, you know, were there before. So, like, you have so many civilizations in this game. Like, just think if you're listening at home, all the civilizations we listed off, and I don't think we even covered all of them. Like, there's still some That's I'm listening even to half. here. Like, we're like, not I'm even halfway. Yeah, like, <laughs> we didn't say Norway at all. Like, Norway's in there. Yeah, like, I, so, I mentioned Norway. There's all these. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought we did mention it. Yeah, that's one of the ones I'm but, keen I mean, about playing. Yeah, there's just so many civilizations all over the place, and all these interesting leaders that you know. And some of these leaders I don't know at all. Like, I think most of the leaders I don't know were like some of the current um, countries that I don't know their history as much. Like, for example, um, Poland, for example, has a leader called Jawiga. I don't know who that is because I don't really know much about Polish history. Yes, same. I know one leader from Polish history, but that wasn't the one. Right. So, like, some of those leaders I'll have to brush up on and, you know, kind of um, check on that. Like, and for example, like, Sweden has uh, Christina as leader. I don't know who Christina is, but, you know, obviously, oh, if you live in Sweden, okay. you probably do. Christina. Oh, wow. They have it for Sweden. Fair enough. Damn, you know that, that's going to be it. Oh, that's a power play on that one. Uh, she was, a cult, um, like, um, a cultivist. Uh, so a writer, a thinker, um, and she basically led Sweden through the Dark Ages of their time by using the power of uh, the arts hmm. to turn them into a uh, civilization. So I'm guessing for her, her bonus is going to be culture. She's going to have really mad culture for her play. And fair enough to them, like, obviously fair enough. Like, if that's a culture or bonus, it makes historical sense. That she has a culture bonus to her. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, just um, going back, though, like, this is all the civilizations we've been mentioning for Civ 6, and we haven't even, like, talked about every leader, every civilization. Just yeah, to put it in perspective for you, I can mention all the leaders from Civ Rev in, you know, a couple minutes here. Like, or actually, less than a couple minutes. This is all the leaders from Civ Rev. You had Lincoln for the Americans, Saladin for Arabia, Montezuma for the Aztecs, Mao Zedong for China, uh, Cleopatra for Egypt, Elizabeth I for the English, Napoleon Bonaparte for the French, Otto von Bismarck for the Germans, Alexander the Great for the Greeks, Mohandas Gandhi for the Indians, Tohugawa Izeyu for the Japanese, Genghis Khan for the Mongols, Julius Caesar for the Romans, Catherine the Great for Russia, Isabella for the Spanish, and Shaka Zulu for the Zulus. So that's literally it. That, that covers the entire civilization roster. <laughs> and, I mean, we, we already have, like, just in the base game alone, there's already way more than that. Yeah. It's his steps. It's mad. That's not even counting the expansions, so. Yeah, I know. And then there's 18 in the base game, and then you add the additional 16 and 18 from the other respective ones, from the other two separate DLCs. Yeah. And we probably did a bad job, actually, uh, Zombie, of mentioning which ones are DLC and which ones aren't, so... Um, Real quick, I'll go through and say that the ones that are DLC for Civ 6, you have to buy the expansion pack for. Uh, looks like Poland, Nubia, Australia, Macedon, Persia, Indonesia, Khmer, Canada, the Cree, uh, Netherlands, Hungary, Inca, Korea, Mali, Maori, Makuchi, Mongol Empire, Ottoman Empire, Phoenicia, 
Scotland, and Sweden. Those look like all the DLC ones. So anyone mentioned that's, that's not in that uh, space game. That's, yeah, that's a really that's good crazy DLC that all that's in DLC. Like, and even in that DLC list, there's a lot of them we didn't mention yet. Like, Netherlands and Hungary. Like, I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. That's that's weird. Like you could have a full like, European game. Yeah, you could. Never know. <laughs> that's mad. <laughs> you could have had a full European game. That's sick. Well, what's interesting is with this many civilizations, I mean, even if you play the game nonstop for like a month, there's probably going to be civilizations you still haven't faced yet. You yeah. Because like, there's probably going to be like, oh, I've never faced that civilization before. <laughs> yeah, it's randomized so much. Like, and um, to get a point, I think that obviously uh, we were talking about earlier before we started, obviously, of like how many people would actually be able to be in within a game. Um, you can have eight, um, you can have eight civilizations within a game on a standard map, right? But four of them out of those eight are going to be actually controlled by us. And the other four are going to be AI. So, yeah, and it's definitely a step up from back, obviously, when we played Civilization Revolution, when it was, you could have four people in one game, same as, obviously, Civ Six. only there was only one AI, because you could only have five in a game. And with this one, they've expanded right. on that and made it four and four, so it's an even playing field, which I kind of like. Yeah, and I wonder how you know, too, if it's AI-controlled or if it's uh, player-controlled. Probably, you probably know in the game, but... Yeah, you probably know in the game, yeah, because everyone will probably mention who they're playing as beforehand. So I'm curious, though, actually, Zombie, um, in Civ Rev... Did you do a lot of online play with this? Because I never did online play. I just did offline play, you know, playing against AI. I did. I did online play. And there's a lot of things you could do with online play. And how is that? Is it, like, kind of toxic playing against online players? Or, like... No. No, you, you simply... You can play it as normal, but you can also do teams. There's, like, different things. So you could do free-for-all where everyone's, like, for themselves. Or you could do teams where it'll be, like, uh, two teams of two and a solo Civ on their own which will normally be the AI, and they basically are on their own versing everybody, while two teams will verse each other. And you can, and when you do online, any spaces that aren't filled by actual people become AI as well. So... That makes sense. Yeah. And they did have, like, a timer as well uh, that they had at the top of the screen, so everyone's, like, taking turns. But they don't take all individual turns. You all have your turn at the exact same time. And there's like a, a, a clock at the, like the side that used to like tick down. And there would be some people that would spend all their time wasting the clock. So you, if, if you finish like really quickly, you could do stuff fast, but people were like really slow. It was like evened out. So if you did all your stuff really fast, you'd have to sit there and wait for everyone else to finish their turns. That kind of sucks then. Yeah. But at the same time, it's good because then you can get a look at the playing field so you can plan your next move if you're a fast thinker, which I like. I guess that's true. You have more time to think. So, I mean, did you find it like hard going against um, real players versus AI? Like, did you find the AI more difficult than real players? Um, I'd say uh, if the real players know what they're doing, then they become a really bad issue for you. But the AI can be a real pain as well, because they'll just try to immediately, whenever they get the chance to, they'll blindside you, they will try to backstab you, they'll try to extort you out of stuff, 
and then they'll and then if you don't agree to any of that stuff, then they'll just go right for your capital right off the bat, and they won't even care. But they'll try to wipe out anything that's in their way, essentially. So if you have a city that's in the way of your capital, they'll storm that first and then storm to the capital immediately. Yeah, and I know on um, the hardest difficulty, like in Civ Rev for the AI, I think it was like Deity or something, and that was actually pretty insane. Like, I mean, they're pretty aggressive on that one. Well, uh, what if what if I was to tell you that uh, uh, Deity's not the highest one you can get to on Civ Six? Oh, what's the highest in this one? Emperor, which is above Deity. And that's the last one. Yeah, that is difficulties. Emperor. Dang. So I, I had a hard enough time on deity a lot of times. So Apparently, I think apparently the description for it I'll have to go through it is you're not supposed to win, <laughs> which is understandable. Well, I, I, I'm sure there's people that have won though. So uh, yeah. Interesting though. I'll yeah, it definitely is. Time. I'm kind of wondering what the uh, achievements are on this too, because I mean, obviously, being an Epsox, are going to you know include some achievements in there, so. I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of like Civ Rare, where you have to like, win with every civilization. Imagine if that was achievement. Like, I'm that should be worth so. like, at least 100 gamers for Because like, winning with every civilization on this, like that's so many civilizations. Oh, no, should be 500. 500. Due to that, how many are on here? Like, come yeah. on. You'd have to do some serious <laughs> bloody grinding on this game just to even get that many. You would, done. yeah. And you'd even, it, that even counts if you play as the island civs, which apparently are really bad apart from uh, Maldi. Oh, so... Apparently, they're supposed to be really difficult to do. Not bad in the sense, obviously, people don't want to play them. They're, they're a challenge to winners. Interesting. Because their bonuses don't really help. But it doesn't affect where you start, correct? Like, these island civilizations, they don't automatically start on an island? Or? No. Okay, I think so. It'd probably help to start on an island, though, with the island civilization. Well, on this game, the islands don't really benefit you as much, they just buy you time. Essentially. Well, that's kind of what I always did in Civilization Revolution, too, though, is, I mean, like, if I was on an island, then basically I had more time to build up before my uh, enemies got to me. Well, for me, though, like, because I'll be honest, my favorite Civ that I always mained in Civilization Revolution was the Spanish, because they immediately got access to galleons that could roam the whole high waters almost immediately, yeah, so I could awesome. get, so I could just grab, yeah, I could just grab all the artifacts before anyone else could even get a hand on them. And like, yep, thanks, appreciate it. With this, though, even if you are a Civ that starts on an island, you'd have to build up a navy first to order to defend yourself. And then, even if you did that, you'd have to research a ship good enough to actually go around. Because I'm pretty sure even the Spanish on this now, no longer, no, I don't think any Civ has the trait of obviously starting with a ship higher up than everybody else anymore. Interesting. I think everyone starts with the same navy. But I think people get advantages to the Navy, like extra turns with that Navy, and extra movement. And of course, you know, we probably dropped the ball here, so I apologize, guys, but um, we never actually mentioned, for anyone that's not familiar, I, I assume that everyone knows what this franchise is, but for people that don't know what the Civilization franchise is, Zombie, how would you describe it? What is this Civilization franchise? Uh, the Civilization franchise is for people that love playing, like, a strategy game, a very strategic game. And you basically have to work to build whatever civilization you have to win the game by different means. So you could play a game of just pure culture, converting everything, converting cities to your culture, uh, building massive, well-known, uh, like, artifacts, like buildings and much more stuff. Um, right, or wonders. you could win, yeah, wonders, yeah. Or you could win by, um, 
basically making it so your technology is like the best in the whole game and then using space travel. You could win by basically just having a ton of wealth and then building a massive world bank and winning the game that way. Or you could just simply do domination, which basically would be charging every single Civ with a massive army and taking over everything that stands in your way. Right, specifically, you have to take out the capital. Yeah, if, yeah basically, to, take, to win the game, you'd have to take over every single individual capital of every civilization to win the game. You don't even need to target but the cities if you don't have to. To, to be honest, though, I usually, I don't know if you did this on me too, but I usually went overboard. I didn't just go over the capital. I wanted to wipe them off the map completely, so I just destroyed your entire civilization. I did the same, <laughs> so they didn't come back to bite me later on. <laughs> yeah. Because especially in Civ I, Six. Domination, you need to make sure they're wiped out entirely, because even if their troops get wiped, like, even if you're, unlike Civilization Revolution, where you could, once you had all their cities gone, they, all their troops would leave the game. Civilization 6, that doesn't happen. They could easily go and capture another city and come back into the game. Even That's if they cool, are dead. Actually. I like that. So, so like, that means, like, say they have, like, you know, a roaming army of, like, uh, hoplites or something like that. Like, there's just random roaming hoplites, and, you know, they roam around the map long enough to actually capture the city, then they reach back in here or something? Yeah, yeah, you just, they get brought back right back into the game, yeah. Interesting. They'd have to start from the bottom again, but they could get brought right back into the game. And it's very cool, easy to take capitals because if we want to get onto the actual gameplay of how each one, if, if, how it works now, with Civilization VI, the way the game works now is you, uh, especially, I think this is if you add the expansion bundle, it makes this more apparent to you. Um, there's a lot of loyalty to your cities that is a huge factor. So if you don't treat your cities well and you don't tend to their needs, they're going to leave you. They'll leave your civilization, they'll turn into barbarians, and then other people can just swoop in and take the city. So that's how people that have been wiped out can come back into the game. They'd have to just wipe out a barbarian city that are back in the game. Huh. And this whole loyalty thing you're talking about, that's something that's definitely new to me. So, like, what would you have to do to take care of a civilization to um not have babies? Okay, so to take care of, like, a civilization, it'd be like, Oh, have a good culture. Have a good population. Make sure you're not having overpopulation. Um, make sure that you have enough food to actually feed your population. Um, and make sure, obviously, you have enough people that actually can defend the place as well. Uh, but if you fail to do just one of these things, it is just like a whole combination of them. So, say, for example, you... Do all their needs, but the only thing that they're complaining about is overpopulation. Then, they will leave you, and all the men that you had inside of it will just get kicked out of the city. They won't get converted into, obviously, the barbarians. They'll just get kicked out of the city. And they'll get put back in your nearest civilization. They won't be outside of the place. But when that happens with, obviously, this whole loyalty system, it can happen to anyone at any time. And it's what um, the game calls a dark age for your civ. Because you can have many... Uh, the more the the more civilizations that you have, the more cities that you have, the more chance that you have that your cities are going to turn on you. And if you're prepared for it, if, I don't know if I like that though. I mean, like it, it seems like it kind of defeats the purpose of the game because the purpose of the game is to like conquer the world and like take out other civilizations, like. Why are you having to spend, you know, all this time micromanaging each city you have? No, no, that, that's the point, though. You have to time management for both. 
That's what it's getting you to do. Rather than just going, oh, well, I've got a city. There you go, done. It's making you focus on that city because if you don't focus on that city, the karma being that it'll backstab you and go um, unloyal and it'll just leave you. But you can easily right, take it back. It's pretty bad, though. Like, I mean, because, for example, instead of Rav, you could still lose cities if um, someone near you had better culture than you then the civilization will be converted. You know, that still converted. happens. That can still happen. And that's fine. I'm fine with that, because then basically you have to build up a wall to prevent that, or you have to uh, get your culture back up there. So I'm fine with something like that, but like, it sounds like here, you're like, oh, shoot, I, you know, I um, took too many guys out of the garrison, and now they're pissed off. They left. Like, that seems kind of harsh that like you do one little thing wrong, at least on that yeah, it isn't automatically, though. The game does give you warnings that they're going to leave if you don't fix the situation up. So it, it gives you, you chance. warnings that you can actually have time to fix it? Yeah, you have chances to fix it, yeah, but if you just ignore the chances, and you just go, oh, I want domination, they'll just leave you. Just like, I'll screw you then. <laughs> but you can easily take it back. But it also helps the game. Like, say, for example, you just wiped out a civilization, for example. Say, for example, you wiped out the Polish, right? Mm-hmm. And they still had one troop left. But that one troop is near the city that just went unloyal. All they'd have to do is kill the barbarians that live within that city. And they own that city and they're back in the game. So it's kind of like a half and half. So And does this go for um human players as well? Like say you were in a you're a human player in my game zombie, and let's say, you know, one of the other human players took you out. You still had a troop left. Can you still go back in the game too as a human player? Yes, I could. If I played my cards right and waited for a city to go unloyal. But in that meantime, you'd have to make sure that one troop doesn't get killed. So basically you just control that one troop. Like, so say all you have left was, I don't know, let's just say it's like later in the game you have tanks. Say all you have left is like one tank army. I mean, that's all you have, right? So like, would you just take that tank army and keep roaming around until you find a civilization you can take over? Pretty much, yeah. But then you have to be, you have to obviously, I think there's a time limit to it. I think you have to do it in a certain amount of turns. And then you're gone. Like you and can't flash stay. On the screen that, like somebody's gone for good. Um, I don't think it flashes on the screen. I think you just have to figure out for yourself that they've gone. Okay. Because obviously they have like um they have like a banner up top that has each civilization within it that you obviously can see who's in the game and who isn't. But so much of this game has changed now to where even like the culture you can convert a city, right? That's still there. Walls can't prevent it anymore. You can put up a wall, that's fine. The borders can clash, and they might try to convert your city that way. The wall will stop that, but it can't stop it if they've sent, like, um, um, their own culture people, so, like, they've sent, like, monarchs in there, and they've sent their monasteries. If they've sent their monasteries, they can invade into other cities and convert their religion into that city. That's how they can take over as well. And are there other, any new mechanics to, um... This particular civilization, I noticed that, like, you have cities built on different tiles at the same time. Um, different tiles. Um. Like, a city is built over a couple different tiles at the same time. Like, I noticed that, which I don't really understand too much yet, but. Oh, yeah, it's because I think with this game, I don't think you get access to courthouses anymore. I don't think courthouses exist, so you could build, like, in a certain radius to another civilization in order to take it over, for example. Um, but I think yeah, because it basically has like three tiles in a each city affects three tiles at once apparently. So like you can get bonuses from like different that yeah. tile, like and use it twice or something like that. The main factor for this is you don't have to keep a city once you take it. 
you can annex it, which basically means you can destroy it. Oh, really? So if I take your city and I, like, I'm like, screw you, zombie, I destroy your city? <laughs> yeah, you could just destroy the city, not the capitals, though. Well, what would be the point of that, though? Like, wouldn't you want an extra city? No, but that's the point. It goes back to the loyalty system. That, that, that one that you could take might turn another community that you've had for a while, like another city that you've had for a while, it might turn on you because of overpopulation. So I guess you have to kind of pick and choose, like, instead of owning 20 cities, like, after you conquer a bunch of people, maybe just, like, cut it down to 10, like, 10 really good ones? Exactly, because you've got to think about what you can actually manage. Because if you, if basically, if you can't manage it, likely is they're going to become unloyal and turn on you, and basically someone can retake it and screw you over. So, you've always got to think what's good enough for That makes sense. You probably my game. Want, like, Obviously, your capital, and then like you're starting like maybe two or three cities, and then beyond that, you probably only want cities that like are important for trade routes and kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, because this thing, you wouldn't want a city that once you've got enough like enough like research to obviously expand like tons of tiles, you wouldn't want to have a city that's right next to your city, would you? Right. So you can easily just or, like, annex it. Say there's like a city that's like blocking a certain area of the map. Like you probably, if you there's like say two cities around there. You probably want to destroy those two cities. That way, you control the only city that's blocking the area. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that, yeah. If people wouldn't be happy to you, you destroy their cities that they were starting on. Yeah, obviously, civs wouldn't be happy about it. But there's a ton of more stuff when it comes to interacting with civilizations. Like you could be allied to a civilization, and what that'll mean is they have their open borders to you, so you can walk freely within their borders and not have to declare war on them, like we did back in Civrev. Uh, where you'd have to declare war on a civilization just to get past the border. With this one, with Civ 6, you can basically um, make your borders open, so then a Civ is freely able to travel within it. Interesting. Or you can close them and basically they can't get through anywhere. And stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, so if you're allied to a Civ, so for example, we're, we're allied to each other, Blaze, right? And I wanted to get through your thing. You determine that. Like, if I get through your borders or not, if I need to get to a place. If I need to go, oh, I need to get past you so I can discover the rest of the map. You could simply just go, well, no, I'm keeping my borders closed. You'll have to find another way around. Or you could go, okay, yeah, sure, let me through, and then close the borders. So border control, you can control how all that works. That's really cool you can do that, actually. Yeah. Or, uh, or I could say no, and then you could just be like, well, I'm going through anyways, and you can declare war, right? Yeah, exactly. I could just, well, well, I'm going through anyway. I'm going to march my way through and declare war on you. Or I could probably do something sneaky and, like, let you through, close the border, and then attack you after you're through, right? <laughs> well, you could do that, but in doing so, you'd affect other civilizations around you. And this is what I'm getting on to now. Each civilization has their own different agendas to what they want to do in the game, right? And they don't like certain things that you'll do. For example, Gandhi's a brilliant example of this. You go around attacking everybody, he's immediately going to denounce you and declare war on you because you're a warmongerer, and he doesn't want you there. And it'd be better for everybody if you were gone, because all you're doing is killing everyone. Interesting. So basically, what you've got to like, think about is your likes to dislikes. So, for example, I well, come if through you do and what you I said me. too. Yeah, if I did that, people are probably not going to trust me as much. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You're going to start to lose trust with other people. Or what I could simply do is ruin your reputation. There's stuff you can, you can do stuff like that. How do you do that? Um. So, say for example, um. You you did what you just did to me then. You've ruined your reputation. Like, simple as that, you've just ruined it because people think, oh, you're nice and peaceful, and then you immediately backstab me and declare war on me. People won't trust you then. 
That's the point. Your Although reputation's it's on the line. probably different, though, if, um, say I let you through and then you start attacking me, then it's probably different if I kill you after that, right? Oh, yeah, that's self-defense. Okay. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. then they all don't trust me because I was the one who backstabbed you. That's the point. Right. Uh, reputation comes a long way to having alliances within the game that help you out in the long run. Um, but there are some people that simply go and don't like you being peaceful. One of them being uh, the leader of the uh, the Sparta, the, uh, the leader of the Sparta. She doesn't like when you don't have an army, or uh, she doesn't like when you basically take the coward's way out if you give it being extorted and basically give them what they want. She'll basically then contact I you and call. <laughs> yes. So basically, if you wanted to keep an allied group on your side, and they basically asked, "Okay, oh, you give us some gold to help us out." Like honestly, if you're playing a good game, like obviously having allies, you'd say, "Yeah, sure." Joy, like, fair enough. Like, say, for example, me and you were working together, and then I contacted you saying, well, I need some gold to finish this so I can help you out. And you went, okay, sure. She then immediately contacted you going, well, you're a coward. Because you fell for extortion. And then, I, and then I immediately contacted her and be like, you want to bring it? We'll take you on two on one. Oh, no, she, she, no, she denounced you for being a coward, if you do it enough times. And then once she denounces you, she'd probably end up declaring one on you later. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, it would be like, well, you don't like it? Then fine, fight zombie night two on one, then. Well, why would I want to do that, though? Maybe she's friendly to me. All right, then I'm fighting you too, Zappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... You gotta have my back as an ally, you know? Well, who says I'm an ally? You just said you were my ally. I gave you gold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you gave me gold. But maybe I extorted you out of it. No, that's the reason she wouldn't like you, Blaze, because I've maybe extorted you out of it. Not just gone, oh, can I please have this? I've gone, give me this or I'll declare war on you, and you've accepted. She calls you a coward because of it? Oh, yeah. That that I don't do. But, like, if you're an ally and you, like, ask for gold, I might give it to Oh, yeah, fair enough. She won't, she won't say anything about that. She'll be like, okay, fair. They've okay. asked you. All but right. if you if you give in to extortion, for example, maybe you have to because or else you'll lose the game. She'll then contact you and go, well, you're a coward. Right. And then she'll denounce you. Basically, there's different, like, morale things So to what this. else can you do with the alliances in this? Like, can you uh, say, like, hey, you know, the Germans are after me. Like, I need some help. Can you come help me? Can you say it's an ally? Yeah. And they they might send troops to help you out and stuff. Interesting. That goes for AI, too. Like, say I'm allied with, uh, I don't know, let's just say the Americans. I'm allied with Americans for AI. Can I be like, hey, American leader, can you come give me a hand here? You know, like, can they send me troops? Yeah, they would do, because they're breaking a rule that the Americans have, which is don't cause wars on their home soil. Which is the thing Roosevelt will hate you for. If you start causing wars on a place where he, obviously, where he lives, like a continent, where he lives, he's uh, he's going to get pissed off at you for doing that because he doesn't like it. Interesting. So, it, it, each different person has their own preferences to what they like and what they don't like you doing. And if you do something they don't like, they're going to let you know that they don't like you doing it and they'll give you a chance before they end up denouncing you. And basically, if they denounce you, that means they won't ever trust you again until you've done something to gain their trust again. And they might start ruining your reputation because obviously you have people that don't trust you, so it's a bit of a meh, do I trust them, do I not? But also then, I denounce could go straight into I want to declare war on you, simply because I don't like you. Hmm. So That sounds pretty cool. I, I like how this game is advanced now. Um, is there anything else we haven't really covered yet? Um, well, each Civ has their own secret agenda that isn't known until you start the game. Right? Uh, the only one we know, 
um, is the Indians. They're, they're ones guaranteed right off the bat what they have, right? Like, each hidden agenda is something that they want to strive to go towards. So, Maldi, for example, which is obviously an island coast, they want to have a wealth of gold as their se- uh, secret agenda, right? Okay. And it's based on right. their personalities. So their the hidden agenda would be like, so for Americans, their hidden agenda would be, uh, diplomatic, uh, or diplomatic, um, relations with everybody to be good. And that's the thing I haven't mentioned. There's a new way of winning this game apart from domination, uh, economy, culture, and science. You can, you can win by a diplomatic victory. And how do you win that? So basically, you win by a dip- diplomatic victory by basically, uh, getting a bunch of, basically being allied with everybody, everyone's sound with you, uh, all that stuff, and you basically, you basically go up the hierarchy of, uh, diplomacy. And once you reach the very top of your diplomacy, that means basically you lead, uh, diplomatic relations for the whole world. You can win that way. Interesting. Is that like, kind of a hard way to win, do you think? I mean, it seems like an interesting trial. So, I'll definitely try it out. Yeah, yeah. It is hard to win because people can immediately catch on to what you're doing and then just go, well, I'm not allied with you anymore. Ruins diplomatic victory almost immediately because then they're not allied with you. Your diplomatic uh, so status will start to go down. If you're playing with human players, it's probably, like, impossible because they would just cancel an alliance automatically, right? Well, no, not necessarily. You could win by having a diplomatic victory with all of your AI. The AI could love you and it still goes all the way up. But it'd just take longer to get there. Oh, okay. So you don't need every single civilization. You can have, like, a couple enemies, basically? Yeah, exactly. As long as you have okay. more than half the world. Well, basically, if you have more, if you basically have half the world in a diplomatic relation to you, your hierarchy's gonna keep going up. But, okay. what happens if, for example, another Civ comes in and destroys that? Then you can't win. Because they've destroyed your only chance of doing it. Because they've just wiped out the AI that you've been with. Hmm. So there are ways to stop Seems it. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Well, just like there's ways to stop other things, too. I mean, like. There's ways to yeah, stop every victory. Victory. There's yeah. ways to stop everything. Like, uh, definitely. Uh, and I assume, like, a domination victory, I mean, wouldn't need, um, all. Would, would you still need all the capitals, or no? Yeah. You, you need, all the, need all. Oh, you would? Okay. Yeah, you need all the capitals. Even and, seven this time? So, yeah, it'd be about, like, yeah, seven. Jeez, that's a lot more than four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's the point, though. If they're allied, then they could easily call in troops to help defend their, their own capital, if they're allied to somebody, so it makes your job ten times more difficult. Because you basically have two worths of civilizations defending one capital. Interesting. Yeah, I in Civ Rap, I always like the domination victory. You know, it's obviously a lot of fun just destroying everyone. Um, I did also like the technology victory, which was a little bit cool, but it kind of took a while to do because you had to build that spaceship and stuff like that. Do you still have to do that in uh, this game? Yes, but there are, uh, but they could probably get like people to come and sabotage it. Okay. And I did like the culture victory too. Like, um, I remember one of the achievements that I did is like you have to win the game with only ever having one city. I think I did that with the French because I think with the French I got a culture victory just by expanding their culture and only having Paris in my own city. Yeah, you can do stuff like that, though I wouldn't recommend it, because all it, all it takes is for the civilizations to turn on you and attack that one capital, and it's game over. Right. Well, I did that for the achievement, though, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's an achievement in Civilization Revolution where you had to win with one city. That's it, so I did that for the achievement. Yeah. 
Um, but honestly, the, the one victory I really did not enjoy at all was the economy victory. Like, I only went for that if I was playing with Montezuma because he had the extra gold. But other than Montezuma, I'm like, I, I don't really want that victory. <laughs> yeah, well, each... The way you do, like, obviously, like, each, each obviously, like, victory that you can have uh, is tailored to what civilization you play because each one has their own skill sets that they're good at, at getting to a certain victory quicker than others. Do you have, like, lists of all their skill sets on hand or no? Uh, no, I think you have to remember them. But it, but it becomes pretty apparent based off their traits which ones to go towards when you get used to each character. So, for example, Maldi, all they want is gold. What do you think they're going towards? Economy, yeah. Exactly. Um, the Chinese you know, um, Chinese want to make sure they're friendly with everybody. What do you think they're going towards? Oh, really? Okay, I thought they'd be technology, because um, Zidane's definitely technology. No, right? the, uh, it's weird this, because they've changed it. J- uh, Japan is your science people, and the Chinese want diplomatic... Yeah, and um, the Chinese want diplomatic relations. <laughs> I I especially love the English one. The English one is hilarious. So what about my uh, boy Alexander, though? What does he go for? What's his thing, you know? There's a few that are balanced so they can go for whatever. There's a few civs in there that can go for whatever. So the Americans are tailored to go for whatever. They could go to any one of them. Alexander? Alexander could go for any one of them. Because his skill set okay. is balanced to that. Like, the Chinese would have more balanced towards, obviously, their trade and diplomatic relations, while some would go, would suffer. So, like, for Do example... You know what his, like, um, special bonus is, even, or no? A special bonus for, uh, Alexander... Um, Alexander, um, I'm not sure. Okay. I know it isn't a courthouse anymore. He's DLC, too, though, but... Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's culture now. I think he tails towards more culture. But he's balanced. I know specifically okay. for the English, she's balanced, but hers go towards culture and uh, economy, so she can do both. Like some tailor towards two. Fair enough. Um, but I personally love the thing that she hates you for, and it's really, uh, really, really like, really like being really a bit of an ass uh, to people. But um, basically, she hates it when you settle on a continent before she's done it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that, that I know. I knew you'd laugh. That's like the funniest one ever. You could be a real asshole, essentially. So it's like, oh well, how dare you settle on this continent before I have? That's what I imagine her doing. Because <laughs> that's what she hates you for. So if you, so for example, you're playing as the uh, the French and you've settled on um, a continent before, she, yeah, she'll contact you going, "What are you doing? Why are you settling on this before I have?" <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that com- that comes into factor as well because then she'll probably get really annoyed at you and then not like you and all that stuff. But you don't know which English person you're getting because this is what I'm getting onto now with the alternative civs. You could verse right. the Indians, for example, and not actually verse Gandhi. Yeah, like you could. Ver- yeah, you could verse the other person who has c- a completely different skill set to Gandhi and what he's tailored t- for. And has a different agenda to Gandhi entirely. Same with the English. Okay, English and France. They go towards economy and culture. Right? You right. Br- you br- you then do the DLC and you can play as e- uh, Elido- Eleanor of Aqueduct. 
uh, Acoday, sorry, Acoday, ugh, I hate French words, and she could be a leader for both the English and the French as an alternative, because she used to lead both of them in harmony and in culture. So I think you can guess what she's tailored to. That's cool. It seems like there's a lot of depth with this game, too, that, you know, things can go many different ways. Uh, yeah. how you want to play it. Uh, yeah. I, I really like the depth they actually included this. Yeah, I love it. it. I like love a, it as well. Perfect game for a strategy enthusiast. Yeah, exactly. So you could have the English, but it might not be Victoria. If it's Eleanor, then you're fine landing on a continent before she has because she won't be bothered. Just as long as you've got a nice functioning city near her, near her um, area, near her borders, she gets annoyed at you if you have a city that's just really bad and it looks really bad. That city. She then gets on to you about it. it's like, well, I, I guess don't. You'd have to, you know, learn everyone's taste. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. So Eleanor's taste is basically as long as you have a nice fluorescent city in front of her borders, she won't be bothered. But if you don't, then she'll be like, well, I look out the window and see, you know, what I mean, this, and she won't like you because of it because you're ruining her culture. I wonder what uh, Alexander needs then. Good question. We we'll guess we'll find out, won't we? Because I don't even yeah. know that. I'll have to get the expansion for that. I don't know if I'll get the expansion right off. I think I would... I'd probably just buy the base game to start and then see if I enjoy it as much as I think I will and then get the expansion. Is that how you're going to do so? Uh, no, I'd probably get both because the expansions seem more fun considering some of the expansions have disasters in them, which I love. Yeah, and talking about the expansions, there's um two full expansions. There's Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm. Do we know a ton about those right now? Gathering Storm is your disaster one. So you can have, like, hurricanes appear on the map, you have volcanoes that can erupt and ruin all your crops and all that stuff. Like, it's amazing. Uh, and Rise and Fall, I think, is for those island civs. Talks about the Dark Ages, apparently. Dark Age policies. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. That's what the, the Dark Ages and all that policy is, like, the loyalty system. But it happens more frequently when you ever play Rise and Fall mode. And you play, like, stuff like that. Okay. They're more tailored towards, obviously, having a Dark Ages kind of gameplay than uh, Great Ages. Because you can have two different ways you can play this. You can have a Dark Age, and you can have a Great Age. So, and it's tailored to how, obviously, you play. Hey, Telltale reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essentially what it is, though. Yes, I mean, if you get the expansion pack, um, that basically includes the Rise and Fall, it includes the Gathering Storm, and it includes all these other civilizations we've been talking about that are bonus civilizations, so. Yeah. And then apparently there's a free update, um, added to multiplayer called Red Death, too. That is... Which is compared to Battle Royale. Yeah, that is Battle Royale. It literally is that. You basically have to be the first civilization to get extracted from a nuclear wasteland to win the game. But it isn't with civilizations. It's with a completely different set of people. So, like, you can have, like, bandits, outlaws, scientists. And they all come with their own different perks, but the aim of the game is basically to beat everybody to extraction. And win. Basically, the aim is to get to the extraction point and hold it from all the other civilizations that are going to come in and try to take it to get extracted and win the game. So... Well, this does seem intense and everything, and, I mean, I think I would probably want all the expansion, but, um... I would probably just want to try the base game first and make sure I would enjoy it enough because, you know, I did uh, just get Borderlands 3, you know, that I got the whole package for, so I don't know if I want to do another full package of the game until I know if I uh, will enjoy it fully. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so that's fair enough. But yeah, um, I, I think we cover pretty much you know the preview of it. This does come out on November 22nd, like we said. So you know, um, any Xbox or PS4 fans that want to get into some Civ 6, that is when it comes out. Um, most likely, I'm going to be streaming it. So uh, 22nd is a Friday. So basically, the last week of November. If I do get this, which is probably like a 90 to 95 percent chance I will, then the last week of the month would be Civ 6 week, where I just uh, stream Civ 6 that week. And I might even do a bonus stream on release day on the 22nd. I might have to work that day, so it might only be like, you know, four hour like during the day kind of thing, but I might do a release stream or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking forward to this, Abby. I mean, I can't wait to, you know, get Civ 6 in there and have some We need to play some Civ Yeah, uh, that's one thing I actually um, thought about doing is, in honor of this game releasing, I thought about doing a uh, stream of Civilization Revolution to kind of honor it, and I think we should uh, include that as a bonus stream somewhere. Yeah. So maybe we'll uh, include that in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Heck, maybe maybe what I can do, um, just look at the schedule now, because I didn't announce any schedule yet. Maybe what I can do, and everyone kind of hear this in the podcast now, is um, next week I said there's you know, the two Borderlands 3 streams. Maybe the week after that, uh, my vacation week, I can stream to Save the K2. And the week after that, maybe what I can do is um, do two days worth of Dead by Daylight, and then do the third day as a special Civ Rev day. Maybe that's what I'll do there. Mm, okay. Because, like, basically, I'm thinking, like, the 17th, 18th, I could do, like, some DVD. And then maybe uh, Tuesday the 19th, which is, like, three days before uh, Civ 6 comes out, maybe I could do a Civ Rev, like, kind of a callback, you know, a couple days before the new game comes out. Right. That might be kind of fun, right? Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we'll do something like that. And I do still want to fit in the end of We the Revolution somewhere. So, that would probably end up being a bonus fourth stream. Um, because right now I'm obviously uh, canceling fourth streams for a little while, but I probably would include a bonus fourth stream at some point to uh, get Speed of Revolution in there. Or maybe what I'll do is maybe I'll just, um, the week of the 10th, maybe I'll have one day as Speed of Revolution and two days as State of Decay to kind of like cover some of these things. We'll figure it out, though. Uh, we'll post the schedule in the Discord, so if um, no one's in the Discord yet, then you can get in the Discord with following the show notes. You can also contact me via email, blazeexperience at gmail.com. You can contact me via Xbox Live Gamer Tag or Twitter at blazeexperience. That's capital B L A I S E, capital X P E R I E N C. So those are the main ways to contact me. I'm also on YouTube and Facebook, but um, I don't get on there as often. But, uh, I do appreciate everyone that's following there as well. And Zombie, how can people contact you if they want to talk to you? Uh, well, you can find me most times uh, in Blazes Streams. Um, you can also yep. find me in the Discord. And I stopped doing night streams, so, you know, Zombie's basically there every stream now, because he missed some of the night streams, but I don't do night streams anymore right now, so. Yeah. So you should always see Zombie in the stream, usually. Yeah, and you Maybe might see me in the Discord. Maybe less so in single-player games, but... Like, I, I think when I play Wither Illusion, you're not uh, as prominent in there, because that's a single-player game, but... Yeah. But, you know, Zombie, I, I think uh, we gotta play some Civ Six. and I think we gotta take over the world together. What do you think? Well, it depends if there's we can, teams, we though. Can be the last two, well, we could be the last two standing, and we can take each other out. Mm, that's usually what I do with my mates whenever I'm playing Civ Rev. Yeah, you know, let's do it up. Let's uh, just take everyone out together, and then we just you know, go ahead and head the end. <laughs> yeah. At that point, I'd probably win, but, you know, just saying. Oh, are you calling me out now? <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is, I see. See you in the battlefield, then. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this. Do you have any last comments about Civ 6 Zombie? I mean, I'm super excited for it, and I definitely want to try all this new stuff, because I think it's going to take me a while to learn all this new stuff, so um, probably that first week I'm probably going to be like clueless, be like, wait, what does this do? <laughs> but uh, eventually I will learn the new stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just can't wait for it. But just in general, just can't wait. Same here. So... Uh, if you are listening to the podcast, you obviously know how to find it already, but if you want to find it other ways, it is located on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Radio Public, Podbean, Blueberry, so many other directories. So if you literally just type into your search bar of any kind, the Blaze Experience, you will find us. And if you don't want to use any other uh, apps, if you want to just you know have a podcast downloaded to your phone or something like that, and you don't want to have any extra apps on your phone, that is fine, too. If you join my Discord, then there is a direct download link section there. All you have to do is click on the direct download link. It'll download that one episode, and you won't have to have an app on your phone. So, like, say, um, you know, oh, I only want to hear about your uh, Borderlands episodes. Then all you'd have to do is just go to my Discord, uh, click on the Borderlands episodes, and then it'll download those, and you'll have to hear the other episodes if you don't want to. I would definitely appreciate it if you subscribe and, you know, hear the other ones, too. But if you like only a certain topic or something, then I completely understand that, and that is an option available to you. And then, last but not least, of course, we do have a Patreon. If you want to become a Patreon member for as little as $1 a month, you can help support the podcast and uh, help us, you know, grow. And basically, there's some extra rewards with that. For example, for $5 a month, you get extra uh, bonus podcasts, so you can check some of those out. And then we also have a merch store as well. So the Patreon is going to be patreon.com slash experience. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash experience. The merch store is going to be teespring, T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com slash experience, which is obviously B-L-A-I-S-E-X-P-E-R-I-N-C-E. And in the merch store, we have uh, pillows, we have coffee mugs, we have uh, t-shirts, stickers, you name it. You know, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, there's some leggings, a bunch of different things. So check that out, and I would definitely appreciate you doing so. But, Zombie, thank you for being here again. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. It was. So, we will see you again next time, and uh, I can't wait for some C6. Yep, me neither. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Police Experience.